Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The 65-word prayer, at least in our English Bibles, the 65-word prayer that you can actually repeat in about two minutes has more to it than just what meets the eye. It is a pattern of prayer for us. Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner. He gave us a pattern. And we need prayer as an integral part of our lives today in America. In any typical day in America, and these statistics may be just a tidbit old, but it said, they say that any typical day in America, 5,962 couples marry and then another 2,986 couples divorce. Drunk drivers do about $18 million worth of damage. 90 million cans of beer are consumed. 2,740 teenagers get pregnant. 63,288 cars crash, killing 129 people in a typical day. 3,231 women have an abortion just in a typical day in the good old United States of America. I guess we, if, if I had the number uh, about how much money is spent on putting fuel in the tank, that would be even more relevant right now. Uh, but nonetheless, so there is no question that America, individuals in that regard, we need prayer. Philip Yancey in his book, Prayer, said this. He said, and again, his book is just a few years old, but according to the Gallup Post, he said more Americans will pray this week than will exercise, drive a car, go to work. Nine out of ten people pray regularly, according to his poll. And yet the admonition in Luke 11, which is the harmony of the gospel that I read to you in Matthew, says that when we pray that we must say, Our Father which thou art in heaven. Amen. So there is a particular pattern or a particular manner in which we are to follow or we to be conscious about when we pray. James even told us in his book, he says, whenever you do pray, he said, we, we have not because we ask not, or when we do ask, when we do go to prayer, we may ask amiss, or we may ask badly or wrongly. Amen. And so it's important then to study the pattern or the manner in which we should pray. This thy kingdom come is the second petition in the Lord's prayer. We looked at last week concerning hallowed be thy name, but this is the second petition of the Lord's prayer that his kingdom should come, meaning that all other rivals to his kingdom should be banished. All other rivals to his kingdom should fall by the wayside because he is Lord and king and sovereign of all. He has all power. Scripture tells us this in heaven and in earth. And so wherever there's any idea raised in opposition to him, the king of glory, uh, whatever it may be, even in the world, there are things that rises in competition with the Lord, whether it be love of money or love of pleasure or uh, confidence, if you will, in, in our technology, which we have a lot of today, even if it's our own human strength and praising our own human strength, anything that would come in competition to the Lord or deny the Lord that these things should take second place to his kingdom and him being king in all of the earth. So in, these, in this particular phrase thy kingdom come what we're looking at here today is that we're looking to acknowledge that first of all he is the king 
and we are the subjects to the king. He is the Lord and we are the servants to the Lord. And one thing is for sure true concerning kingdoms and kings, and that is the kingdom is inseparable from the king. If you have a kingdom, then you have a king. And to pray for his kingdom to come, in essence, is not just to pray for the kingdom to come, but to pray for the king of the kingdom. Pray for the king of the kingdom to come as well. And so from these simple three words of the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, I want to ask a few different questions this morning. Whose is the kingdom? In other words, who possesses the kingdom? Who does it belong to? What is the kingdom? What, what, what is this kingdom? What is it made up of? What is the material of the kingdom, so to speak? And then how does it come? So who, who does this kingdom belong to? The Bible says that thy kingdom, very simple pronoun, thy, although it's written here in our, our good old King James Version Bibles, but thy kingdom is referring back to the beginning of the Lord's prayer of him being our father. And so thy kingdom refers back to the father, which we know to be God. The kingdom then belongs to God. This is God's kingdom, which is notably contrasted to any and every other worldly kingdom. Throughout the history of our world and throughout even the history, biblical history, throughout the pages of scripture, you see different kingdoms that have come and went. Uh, Egypt of old, it came and it went. Syria had a kingdom, it came and it went. Assyria had a kingdom, both again came and went. Babylon came and went. There's all many types. You read in the book of Daniel, Daniel uh, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream of, a, of this statue with a head of gold and arms and chests of brass and thighs and belly area of brass and then feet that was made of, of clay mixed with iron. And, and Daniel began to tell him all that was, that old King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. You are Babylon, it, it's the head of gold. And he told him then how uh, I believe it was the Grecian kingdom was that of silver and then uh, the Medo-Persian kingdom was that of brass. And speaking then of a kingdom that would come of Rome that would be of of clay and that would be of iron amen speaking all those things to him he said but he said O king there is a rock that's going to be hewn out of the mountain without hands and it's going to come it's going to hit the feet of that image and all of those are going to be destroyed and that rock is going to become a mountain and a kingdom unto itself and there is going to be it's going to be an everlasting kingdom that has no end so what I'm telling you today every other kingdom in the history of the world in the history of the Bible it has come and it has went historians tell us that there have been at least 21 different great civilizations of the world that have been that are now extinct but there is a kingdom it's his kingdom that has come and has never departed amen it is a everlasting kingdom that will reign forever and ever the angel Gabriel in the New Testament scripture the angel of the Lord that come and spoke to Mary Jesus's mother told her that she would have a son and that they should call his name Jesus. And this was the words of the angel Gabriel in Luke 1 verse 33. It says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no 
end. And so we want the Lord's kingdom to come. We want it to be present in our world, present in our lives, active in our homes and active in our families. Amen. So it being an everlasting kingdom separates his kingdom then from every other kingdom of the world because they've come and gone. They come on the stage of history and they've passed on, but his still remains and it is still active yet today. Amen. Mary, the mother of Jesus had seen the kingdoms in her life time had known of them that have arose up and those that fell down and dissolved and terminated but to have this word from the angel that her son would be a part or the king if you will of a kingdom that would have no end an everlasting kingdom amen sealed something in her heart and life concerning the things of God so that's whose kingdom it is it's God's kingdom amen and our God is everlasting God Amen. He's from everlasting to everlasting, the scripture says. So when we think of this kingdom or when we speak about this kingdom, about what this kingdom is, when you hear the word kingdom, what are some of the things that people may think about? Maybe your mind goes back to medieval times. Maybe you're thinking about people riding on horses with all of the pomp and the ceremony of a kingdom. Maybe you're thinking of maidens and, and soldiers and knights and castles and moats around castles or laws and walls and stuff along those lines. What do you think of whenever you think of a kingdom? But kingdom actually means simply this, rule or reign. The Bible says, if you turn your attention to the Gospel of John chapter 18, the Bible says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. This was the purpose for me coming. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. He said, my kingdom is not of this world or, or those that are around me. They, they would do what would be necessary in order to fight. It's none of this. I have a kingdom that is out of this world, so to speak. And his kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God was so important to the Lord Jesus Christ. He used the phrases in the New Testament scripture many times. Kingdom of God, you'll read of. You'll read of kingdom of heaven throughout the New Testament scripture. He uses those phrases perhaps more than any other human. Amen. That was upon the globe at that time. For instance, in Luke 4, 43, he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, therefore, for therefore am I sent. So the kingdom of God was very near the heart of Jesus Christ, always upon the mind of Jesus Christ. It was his message. It's what he spoke about. It's what he taught about in all the different villages and towns that he went through. His three and about half years of earthly ministry that he had upon the earth over in the Middle East, amen, with his disciples, the major portion of that time of his ministry was spent talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. As a matter of fact, whenever Christ Christ rose from the dead 
after three days of being in the grave. And the Bible says that he shewed himself by many infallible proofs that he was alive for the 40 days after he had risen, before he ascended into heaven. The Bible says after that, look, look at what he was talking about just even in that 40 days. Some of the last words he's going to speak to his disciples, to those that are upon the earth, he spent in this, Acts 1 and verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, until Christ was ascended after his resurrection, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, verse 3, to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and what? And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So 40 more days after his resurrection, he spends time. I mean, you think in that 40-day period, whatever's like most important, whatever is of greatest interest to him to share with them he's going to share and so he spends those 40 days talking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God his rule mind you and his reign amen in the earth and whenever he spoke of the kingdom when, when Christ spoke of the kingdom he spoke of the kingdom in many times three different tenses he spoke of the kingdom in the past in the present and in the future the kingdom in the gospels is spoken of in every tense as though it had been as though it was and as though it would be because remember Jesus said my kingdom's not of this world amen and although he had his earthly ministry through a definitive period of time his kingdom amen was operating before he was ever born in Bethlehem and his kingdom would continue after he had risen from the dead and ascended up into the heavens. Because again, as David spoke of God, he said he is from everlasting to everlasting. Well, how far back does that go? Well, it goes further back than you can reach. It goes further back than in the beginning because in the beginning was God. Amen. It's an everlasting. And so if a, if a kingdom is associated or married to a king, then that tells me that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom because it's attached to an everlasting God. Amen. And so that is in part, amen, who the kingdom is, whose it is, and what the kingdom is. But also, how does this kingdom, how does it come? How does it come? How, how does it come into existence? The verb, the verb in the Greek language from which this translation of come is, it means to come. It means it came immediately or perhaps suddenly. It means it came actually and it came completely. His kingdom or his rule and his reign, according to the scripture, comes primarily by salvation by our salvation the bible says in luke 17 and verse 20 and when he was demanded of the pharisees when the kingdom of god should come he answered them and said the kingdom of god cometh not with observation verse 21 neither shall they say lo here or lo there for behold the kingdom of god he says is within you Amen. Whenever you are born again of the water and the spirit, and we have spoke of just this past Wednesday night, talking about how there was going to be a change of relationship concerning Jesus. He was going to go away, but he was going to send the comforter, which was the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth. And they would receive that spirit of truth on the day of Pentecost. 
right? And that, that suddenly there would be a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It would fill all the house where they were sitting. Amen. And they would appear into them cloven tongues as fire that would set up on all of them. And the Bible says they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance. Jesus even told them, he said, I am with you now, but I shall be in you. Amen. I shall be in you. And so salvation, the kingdom of God comes, amen, where we are our recipients, if you will, of the king. When we are recipients of that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, when it dwells in us, the kingdom of God has come very nigh unto us. Amen. And you cannot, again, you cannot separate the king from the kingdom. So if you receive the spirit of Christ, you have received the spirit of his kingdom. Amen. Inside of you, you receive the spirit of God inside of you because you have the king. It should bring you great joy today. Knowing that you, if you have God, you have his kingdom. And whatever his kingdom is composed of, whatever the material, whatever benefits, if you will, fringe benefits of the kingdom that is involved in his kingdom, if it is there and if you have him, then you have all the benefits of the kingdom as well. No wonder Psalmist David said, he loadeth us down daily with benefits. Yeah. Amen, because we have, amen, received the king and thus his kingdom and all the perks and privileges of that kingdom comes by having, amen, him. Amen. The kingdom come, thy kingdom come. He said, so when you pray, talking to his disciples, when you pray, pray after this manner, thy kingdom come. In that, in that essence, if he's telling them, pray that thy kingdom come, he is really conveying to them, that their prayer is a prayer for salvation of themselves. If the kingdom come and is the kingdom being within them, he is really having them to pray for salvation to come, amen, into their individual lives. Again, he's doing this in Matthew. He's doing this in Luke. He's doing this in the Gospels, right? He's doing this in the Gospels. Christ has not died yet. He's not been buried. He's not been resurrected. None of that's taken place yet. In John chapter number seven, even whenever Jesus is at the, the last day of the feast and he says, all who are thirsty or want to drink, come unto me and I'll give you waters to drink of. And the, in parentheses, it says this, he spake concerning the spirit, but the Holy Ghost was not yet given, the Bible says, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And the way in which Jesus was glorified was through his death, burial, resurrection, and ultimately his ascension. He said it wasn't happening yet because that hadn't taken place. So that's why Jesus teaching his disciples. He says, you need to be mindful and remember to pray that thy kingdom come, Lord. Amen. And doing so, you're praying about your salvation. Well, in Acts 2, whenever that church was born in the upper room, that was the kingdom coming. And it continued to come, amen, it continues to come. In Acts 8, the Samaritans received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 10, the Gentiles, Cornelius' house, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 19, those of Ephesus, amen, that wasn't even sure whether there be any Holy Ghost, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then we see throughout the epistles what they're writing to all these churches in Galatia and Cappadocia and Ephesus and, 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 and Colossae. Why? Because people there to experience the kingdom come into the, oh yes the kingdom coming to their lives and their hearts as well salvation had come his kingdom had came listen and it's not quick coming 
It's not quick coming. I want to declare to you this morning, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is still just as much relevant right now as it was in Jerusalem on 33 AD or any time during that factor. It is still real. His kingdom is still coming to the lives of people. I wonder if we would just pray, Lord, let thy kingdom come. Let your glory come, your honor come, your majesty come, everything who and what you are come and be a part Amen. And take place in our individual lives. We, we sing around Christmas time. We gather around pianos and we hear it on the radio. And we do it at church cantatas and programs. And it's even in a hymn books for people who still have hymn books and, and have songs from there saying, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. You all know that, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let, what does this, it is a very biblical song. Let every Heart, heart, prepare him room. Having a nature sing, having a nature sing. Listen, whenever it says let every heart prepare him room, it wasn't just talking about him coming to a manger in Bethlehem. It wasn't just about, it wasn't about just there was no room in the end for him. It was a babe born in Bethlehem. It was about a place being prepared. In you and in me, a kingdom coming to humanity. Amen, to humanity. So, Earth receives her king when we receive him as king in our own individual lives, in our own individual hearts. His rule, that's important, his kingdom, right? Kingdom simply means rule and reign. His rule and reign in our lives. Huh? His, we, we, in essence, become the castle of the king, the palace of the king. The New Testament writer said it like this, know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's in you. That's what the Bible says. I think I jumped ahead. Brother Mace can put it up there. First Corinthians 6 and 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have a God, and you're not your own. Look at Romans 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God, look, it's not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in what? In the Holy Ghost, he said the kingdom of God is these things that are found in the Holy Ghost. These things that are associated with his kingdom, with his rule, and with his reign. Amen. And, and, and as it's depicted in a parabolic type form in the Gospels, the kingdom of God begins with an invitation. You can read of it in Matthew 22. It's written in a parable type form that the Lord, there is a host that goes out and is starting to invite all kinds of different people to a banquet, right? And they're supposed to come and eat at this banquet and invitations were given for them to come. And uh, in uh, some of the other harmonies of the gospel, they all were given a particular robe to put on that indicated that they were invitees, if you will, people that were invited uh, to this particular banquet. And so it begins with an invitation. And I'm telling you today, the invitation has not stopped it, 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 the invitation goes forward every day, every time we gather here, every time a preacher preaches behind a pulpit and teaches, there is an invitation to the kingdom. There's an invitation to the kingdom. Amen. The kingdom of God, might I say, includes our repentance. It includes our repentance. The Bible says in Mark 1 and verse 14, now, after that John was put in prison, this is speaking of John the Baptist, after he was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. Look what he's doing. 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Look now, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance again is a way to respond or to create the path for the gospel to be in part a part of our lives. He said, repent and believe. Repent and believe the gospel. And the gospel, the gospel according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, namely, was this, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which mirrors and parallels. How do we parallel the gospel or the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our own lives? Through repentance, the dying to the old man, the being buried in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says when we are are baptized, we're buried with him, with Christ in baptism and in receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. He arose in newness of life and we likewise. And so we, we, we pattern our lives of the gospel. We partakers of the gospel, amen, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen. And so we repent and we believe the gospel and what happens? The kingdom comes. Amen. In our lives. Alan Redpath, he once quipped this. He said, before we can pray, thy kingdom come. We must willing to pray, my kingdom go. They're not going you, to. You, 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 you. Listen, if you have two kingdoms that's trying to occupy same regions and areas and districts, it's not going to happen. Somebody is going to war. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to war. Someone's taking power. Someone's taking authority, amen, because a kingdom has a certain means of dominion and reign over areas, places, and things. And Alan Redpath just said, if you're praying thy kingdom come, you might want to first talk about your kingdom going. See, it all comes again to the fact that he's king and I'm his servant. He's king, he's Lord, he's master, and I'm just his servant, amen. And what that means is whatever the king wants, I'm willing to do. Being a subject or a knight or whatever you want to label me, being a part of the kingdom, whatever the kingdom, whatever the king wants, that's what all of the subjects do. That that's what they support. That's what they support. And so I need to pray, my kingdom go, because I can't have his kingdom come unless and I'm willing to let go of my kingdom. I don't have a kingdom, Brother McGee. Oh, I dare to I dare to differ with you. Just allow the king to ask something of you that you don't want to do. Rears the head of your kingdom. What you believe is your power and your authority. So there's a string of thought that begins to be developed in the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Again, we have asked then for his name to be hallowed or holy, separate and different from any other name. All right. But we also realize that in our lives, there still exists then to a certain degree, this kingdom of darkness, our own kingdom. Paul explained it like this, that there is a war in his members. He said, there's a war in my members. He said, the things that I would do, I do not. The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. There's a war in my members. He said, when I would do good, he said, even evil is present with me. There's a war in my members, amen, that has a major upper hand. And it's about what we submit ourselves to day by day. Amen. What we submit ourselves to day by day. Colossians 1.13 says it like this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? 
and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And so there is, there is a translation. There is, if you will, a, a, a uh, giving of allegiance to a different kingdom. He said, we have been under the power of darkness, that type of kingdom, but now we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And so we pray, amen, not necessarily literally, but in some manner or way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth We'll look at next week. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We want heaven's will to be done on earth. We want, the, we want, we want a little bit of heaven on earth. I want a little heaven on earth now. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't scare us whenever our hopes is to forever have a heaven after death and after rapture someday. Shouldn't be scared by a little heaven on earth. If that's going to be the eternal home that our go and aspiration is for someday. Amen. And so we should pray then that thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. But his will cannot be done until we acknowledge him, until we acknowledge him as king. For our own personal lives, until we acknowledge him as king. Because no one's, going to, no one's going to submit to his will. Because here's the thing about God. He is a gentleman. From the Garden of Eden forward, he's given mankind a choice. He's giving mankind a choice. And with that being said, then, we will not submit to him unless we submit to him being our Lord. Unless we submit to him being our king. Call him Lord of our life. Because Jesus even told one person, he said, you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not the things that I say. What he's saying is, he says, this is very contradictory. He says, you call me Lord, which means master. He said, but you don't do what I say. He said, that's contradictory. How can you call me the one that master, whatever you want, whatever you do, and then not do what I ask of you? It's contradictory. And so no one's, no one's going to submit to his will unless not only do they call him Lord, but they re- it's more than a profession of their mouth. It's a living out of their life, right? And so we want to hallow his name. Amen. That energizes and empowers us, but we need his will and his kingdom to come into our life. They flow together. They're not, not really standalone things. They all flow together. Amen. Because his name will not really be holy or really be separated in our lives until we allow his will to be done in our lives. Unless his will is a part of our lives. As a matter of fact, if you read verse 10 in our scripture reading this morning, if you read verse number 10, amen, of Matthew chapter number 6, you will see thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's known as what would be called almost like a parallelism. Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Thou will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name in earth as it is in heaven. We want all these things to be taking place in the here and the now. And so again, our prayer should be, Lord, we want to have in earth whatever is already established in the heavenlies. Now, I've heard people here, well, I can't wait to get to heaven. And, you know, people talk about that. One of these days, can't wait to get to heaven. Streets go, gates of pearl. You know, no more tears, no more sorrow. Well, wouldn't it be nice to have just a little bit of that down here? Amen. 
Pray that his will would be done on earth as it's already established. Have a little bit of that rule and that reign and dominion already down here. You know what happens every time you see someone healed and someone gets a miracle? A little heaven shows up at earth. Every time, Brother Anthony, someone receives the gift of the Holy Ghost and they speak in new tongues, you know what happens? A little heaven touches earth. Woo! Yes, yes! Amen! In America, maybe other nations as well, but in America we have a problem with this kingdom concept because the kingdom does have a king and a ruler. We are, this is American, you know this, that we're accustomed to our idea of government in America. And I, I don't, you know, bad eye, I'm thankful to live in America. When I'd, re- I'd rather live in America than live in any other country in the world. The freedoms and the privileges that we have in America but we, we are accustomed to our idea of government, which is a democracy. You know, we have a president, absolutely. Uh, but even decisions and such that our president makes is regulated by checks and balances within the governing body. And there's this democracy even of, of for the people, by the people, you know, type of scenario. And as a result of that, sometimes we carry that democracy into the church concerning the kingdom of heaven. In biblical times and cultures, the world of the king and culture of the king was this. Whatever the king said was final. It's not like they got together a committee and decided about what the word of the king was, was appropriate or not. Well, see, I know I was going to hit this cloud of doubt because I'm dealing with people that's used to democracy. But, but, but God is not necessarily asking me if what he wants to do is okay. He's not asking for my endorsement. He's not asking for me to believe truth because really my belief in it or not in it doesn't make it any less or more true. Truth is truth all by itself. Amen. I mean, I point at this bush up here and tell you all day long, this thing's purple. I could be very convincing, maybe use proper words. I might even get a few of you jump over on my side. This is purple, but that does not remove the fact of the matter that this is green. We can we could tote it back and forth. There could be a majority of us today start saying this is purple. But if there's even just one person, it doesn't matter if there's no people. Truth is going to stand. Truth is still truth. That's green. <laughs> there are things that God has in his kingdom. Anything that flows from God, he is the spirit of truth. You hearing me? He is the spirit of truth. He don't have to have a certain amount of people in the world to believe it in order to make it any more or less true. And where the word of the king is, the Bible says, where the word of the king is, there is power. Amen. And so this isn't a democracy. This isn't about us getting together and scratching our heads what we think is acceptable or what we should accept or not accept from this. No, these these right here, this is inspired by the Holy Ghost. As holy men wrote, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they penned the words of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, covering about 1,500 years, 1,500 years of history, 40 or so different writers, some were kings, some were peasants, amen, wrote, and yet the story is seamless. They touch on other things that other people of different generations and times wrote about. How? Because the author is one, and the truth is one, and God is one, and whatever he says, he's the king. He's the sovereign, and I'm just happy to put myself under the umbrella of his kingdom and his authority and his power 
someone say amen? Amen. Thy kingdom. And so, so America's a little afraid about, you know, praying those type of prayers. Over in, here in America, you know, sometimes we talk about commitment. There's one of those C words, Sister Johnson. In America, and that's what we do in America. But I've read in other countries, for instance, like Romania, they more so talk about surrender. Say, what's the big deal? Commitment, surrender. Well, the gentleman said, he said, when you make a commitment to someone, you are in control. You made the commitment. You're in control. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to commit. You know, I'm going to commit this year to running three five Ks. Right? You're in control. You make the commitment. And, 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 you know, you go on, you decide you're going to do it, and then you do it. But when you surrender, the writer was saying whenever you surrender to another person, when you surrender, you put them in control. You see this? When you surrender to another, you place them in control. And they decide what you're going to do. And then I follow through because I have surrendered. I have surrendered unto them. If you'll stand with me this morning. What the gentleman said concerning the culture of Romania and America, he said this. He said, you Americans, he said, you need to get away from commitment. He said, you need to turn towards surrender. Because we need to get out of control and let another have control. And when you pray thy kingdom come, you're saying, I surrender, Lord. Not my wishes, my, not my desires, but your wishes and your desires. Amen. I surrender, Lord. You say, Brother McGee, that's hogwash. Listen, throughout Scripture, the church and the Lord is described in terminology as, as bride and groom. Right? We see that in the epistles. Bride and groom type of scenario. So don't just ask yourself one question. Have over the years that you've been married to your wife or that you're presently in a relationship whatever it may be, ask yourself this. Have you done anything just for the sake because it was pleasing to that significant other? Have you ever? I mean, whenever, whenever I was a, a younger man and my wife and I was dating, and she wa- whenever we went places, she wanted us to match. Like colors? Well, let me tell you, some of the colors she had, I didn't have in my wardrobe. Quite frankly. But we would go places, oh, look at them, they match. They both have on black and white or red and, and whatever and blah, blah, blah. I didn't do that because Paul McGee was hip on doing that. I did that because I loved her. And that was something that she desired. And I just did. I met her desires because I was in love with her. There are things you'll do in your relationship with the Lord. Not because your flesh wants to. But because you're so in love with him, God, if you want us to match, <laughs> so to speak, then I'm, I'm going to do that. And what is that? That's his kingdom coming. That's us surrendering to that kingdom. Amen. And following in line with that kingdom. Can we bow our heads here today? Amen. I want the Lord to touch our hearts and our minds this morning. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm so grateful, Lord. 
God, that we can, Lord, call into the heavens for your kingdom to come. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can be recipients of that kingdom in our own personal lives by virtue, Lord, of salvation. I pray, oh God, today I need your kingdom to come. Our world, Lord, needs your kingdom to come. We need, Lord, a little bit of heaven here on earth right now. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, today, God, walk in our lives and help us not just to commit, but help us to surrender our lives to the purpose and the will and the guidance of the king. I pray, Lord, I want you to have control. I want you, oh Lord Jesus, to have full reign, God, and authority in my life. I know, Lord, my life will be benefited by it. I know, Lord Jesus, God, not only, Lord, am I under the laws of the king, but I also have the protection of the king. Lord, when your kingdom comes, I pray, God, all of these good, every good and every perfect gift, the Bible says, coming from above, from the Father of light, in whom is no variableness, neither is there any shadow of coming. We pray today, Lord God, we want to make room for you in our hearts, in our lives. God, in this church and in this community, God, by your kingdom coming, Lord, and having rule and reign. God, bless your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, and help them to walk as kingdom people. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. Can the church say amen? Amen and amen. Thank you again this morning. Amen for being here. Do not forget that service begins tonight at 6. Amen. And this will really kind of be the uh, spearhead or tip off for March Madness ministry. Amen. Taking place at First Apostolic Church every Sunday night. Amen. Tonight going forward into April leading up into Easter. Amen. God bless you this morning. Shake hands. Introduce yourself to someone if you have not met them or know them. And have a great afternoon today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.